right, moving right along with criminal law, we're talking about inchoate offenses, and our first one that we're going to be talking about is attempt, and I believe I pronounced inchoate correctly. Uh, it's possible I didn't. It's spelled a little funny, but an inchoate offense is just really saying that's an incomplete action, and that they, it's missing an element of the crime, but we want to go ahead and charge them for a criminal action anyways. And so this first one that we talked about, attempt, attempt well, it's important to note that there are two types of attempt. There's incomplete attempt, and then there's complete attempt. So what is the difference between these two? Well, an incomplete attempt is when a person sets out to do something, but they desist from that action because uh, of other factors, meaning they were interrupted by the police. A completed attempt is where they accomplish everything they desired to do, except they actually failed in the desired result. So, for example, a person goes and wants to shoot another person. They pull the trigger after aiming it at the person, and it misses, or the gun misfires, or uh, something happens where their action, even though completed, did not have the desired result. So that's the two different kinds of attempt. And really, our issue that we're going to have comes to when we have incomplete attempt. So let's talk about mens rea and actus reus and how these are both going to apply. So mens rea, we have a case called People v. Gentry. What happened here is that a boyfriend poured gasoline on his girlfriend. Uh, he was high and drunk at the time. Actually, they both were. And she ended up going near a gas stove and caught on fire, and he put out the fire and he was charged for attempted murder he challenged this because the definition that he was provided for attempt mean that he needed to intend to kill the person and the instruction that they gave said that he, all he needed to do was to intend to uh, intend to kill knowingly kill, recklessly kill, or negligently kill. And he said, well, no, you can't do that because it needs to be the intent to kill and it can't be any other. So even if he knowingly, meaning no, knew that this action was likely to kill, if he didn't intend to kill, he couldn't be guilty. And the court agreed. So what do we learn from this case? You need to have the intent to have that attempted action. And this goes into the attempted felony murder. So, as you know, felony murder is when we want to charge somebody for the death of an individual while committing a felony. We have a case here called Bruce v. State. What happened is that he was robbing a store, uh, pointed a gun, the person tried to go away, and gun fired, and injured him severely, but he didn't die. So can you charge somebody for attempted felony murder? Well, again, we need to look at the intent to kill. Did he intend to kill? Or did he just intend to do a felony and a potential murder almost happened? And the answer here is a felony murder is an unintentional homicide. And so because it's unintentional and you need to have the intent for that attempt, you can't charge somebody for attempted felony murder. The only exception is in Florida, 
Florida is the only state that has attempted for felony murder. So this also applies with involuntary manslaughter, because involuntary obviously means that it's unintentional. But it can apply to voluntary manslaughter. So that's the mens rea. Very quick, very simple. You need to have the intent to kill. Actus reus is a lot harder because there are three kinds of, well, according to the rule of attempt, there are three kinds of attempts. There's completed attempt, and there's two ways to make a completed attempt, and then there's the incomplete attempt. Well, it's really easy to charge somebody for the actus reus of a completed attempt because, I mean, they've pulled the trigger and it just missed. They obviously had the intent to kill, and they had done everything that they needed to for that action to happen. It just didn't have the desired result. But what if somebody changes their mind, meaning they had every intention to go out and kill, and they start working their way there, and then they change their mind? Or what if they're working their way there, and a police stops them? When can you charge somebody for the intent to kill? It could be when, for example, say somebody is getting in the car to go and leave somebody, to go and kill somebody. Can you stop them as they're in their house? Can you stop them once they're in their car? Or do you have to wait till they're there? Or do you have to wait till they're hiding behind a bush? And all of this is going to depend on how much information you have about the intent. So, for example, if you don't know that a person is going to kill them, then you can't stop them when they're in the house because you don't know their intent. Or you can't stop them when they're in their car because they could just be going to the store to grab some milk. You don't know if they're going to kill them yet. Can you stop them when they're at the house? Well, possibly. But what if they're behind a bush waiting, lying in wait to kill somebody? Well, then you're getting stronger and stronger. What if once the person that they're wanting to kill actually shows up. Well, now your case is even stronger for charging somebody with attempt. So once again, we have several tests on where we end up drawing this line for incomplete attempts. Uh, we I'm not sure what this first rule is called, but ultimately what it's saying is that in order to be guilty of an attempt, it needs to be in the last step before the actual commission of the crime. So, for example, uh, say a person is going and wanting to burn a building. Say he's gathered all the wood and he's gotten everything there and he walks away. Can you charge him, him of attempt? And the answer is no, not yet. And why? It's because you need to wait for him to light the match and throw it down, or rather right before they throw it down, before charging them with intent. And that's because that's the very last thing that he would have had to do. Then we have the dangerous proximity test, which is the attempt occurs when the act is so close to the result that the danger of success is very great. And we have here, for example, people v. Rizzo, where they were trying to find a person to rob, and they knew who they needed to rob, they just couldn't find him. So were they dangerously close to accomplishing the act of robbery when they couldn't find the person 
And the answer is no, because they couldn't find the person. There was no fear of robbery occurring when you can't find the person. And then we have the NPC approach for how to draw this line. And under the NPC, it says for an incomplete attempt, a substantial step needs to occur towards the completion of a crime. And that is sufficient to establish attempt. So how do you define a substantial step? Well, the NPC lists several things. And then we talked about State v. Reeves, which adopts one of the steps. The substantive step, according to the NPC, a couple of things that we talked about was waiting to ambush and or taking necessary materials to the scene of the crime. So necessary materials in order to um, actually complete the crime. So underneath the NPC, you could argue that people v. Rizzo, where they were looking for the person to rob, would have been guilty of attempt. And same with Peasley, where they wanted to burn down the building, and all he had to do was show up to burn down the building. He had collected the materials already. You could argue underneath the NPC that he was guilty of attempt. And that is how attempt works as an inchoate offense. And next week, we're well, really this week, but next lecture, we're going to be getting into a couple other inchoate attempts, uh, offenses such as a solicitation um, to complete a crime. Have a good one. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Law Schoolers. Before I let you go, there are four things I want to say. The first thing is if you enjoyed these episodes and if you enjoyed the website, I would invite you to go and join Law Schoolers Pro. And you can do that by going to lawschoolers.com slash join. It's a way for you to support us, but there's also a lot of features there that I think you will enjoy. Second thing is that nearly all of our episodes are unedited. The only ones that aren't are pre-law materials. And the reason for that is so you can actually see the legal material in its raw form as I'm learning it as well. The third thing is that the information contained in these episodes are specifically only for educational purposes. They're not to be used as legal advice. And with that, the fourth thing is if it is used as legal advice, we are not liable. That is, law schoolers is not liable for any legal outcomes. Thank you again for enjoying the show. Have a good one.